Welcome, everyone, to the Jake Dunlap Show. This is your weekly dose of real success stories from entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, CEOs, and the people that you love. If you've ever wondered what makes people tick, what are the weird things that happened to them in their past that helped to shape the people that they've became? Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern, you can tune in and get exactly that. The behind behind the scenes, not the typical behind the scenes, but the real stories that shape some of the people that you know, love and follow. All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Jake Dunlap Show. If you're watching the video, I'm actually in a podcast studio in Wilmington, North Carolina for an extended fourth vacation. So I kind of like it, though. I kind of like it. It's got like soundproofing and everything. It's kind of nice. So if you're just listening, you can picture this kind of very professional podcast studio and then go to YouTube and make sure you take a look at it as well. Today's conversation is going to be a fun one. With the rise of AI, so many different technologies, generative AI in particular. Obviously, you know, on the podcast, I've been talking quite a bit about it. One of the biggest trends that I think for many folks in sales and marketing is the idea of in this new world, how do we engage with people? How do we create interest? How do we get more and more people to engage where some of our typical cold ways of doing business, whether it's cold emails, cold calls, etc. Not that they're not not working, but they're also not working as effectively. And, And I truly believe that community building. And then for a lot of people, it's like, gosh, I'm already a member of so many communities. How do I do it right? And so I'm really excited uh, for today's guest, uh, who is a master community builder and someone who I think we can all learn a lot from. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Renat Wegerson. Renat, welcome to the show. Hello, Jake. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. Yes, me as well. And, you know, look, I think for a lot of people out there, community building can be a very daunting topic. And so I think it'll be important. Talk a little bit about your path to where you are today, you know, and again, and you're doing something that's not just a community, it's certainly very mission driven, certainly very, you know, near and dear to your heart. But also, you know, again, it is focused on, you know, growing this network and growing. And so, you know, marketing has been a big part of it. So maybe talk a little bit about your journey. And, you know, what you're doing right now with, you know, Birthright Israel. Okay, sure. I'd be happy to. So I was born in the United States of America. My parents are Israelis. My father got his uh, PhD and postdoctorate in Yale, Princeton. And I grew up in Israel and all my adult life has been here. Actually, I started my career as an industrial engineer, worked in banks, and I was like part of the team who established the, the biggest cell cellular, you know, operator in Israel, which was like, you know, today is like, okay, what's the news? But then it was up and coming in the 90s. Sure. And it was like too many leads. And, it, you know, community was nothing you, you had to think about because it was all about sales, sales, sales. And it was crazy growth. And then, you know, along my career, I was a freelance consulting to organizations about customer experience and processes and how to get your uh, customer engaged into a journey. And, you know, the uh, idea of customer journey was not so common those days. Nobody was talking this kind of language. And as I went through my career and had led groups into in consultancy that was all about customer experience. The idea of uh, managing a journey 
which brings us to the, you know, the, the notion of community and its importance was how do you build a long time, lifetime relationship with your customer? So I think the career and, you know, the turning point of my career, how did I get into Birthright was after merging a consultancy group into one of the big four firms sitting in one of the high rise, you know, 20th floor, looking into the horizon, thinking that maybe, you know, I'm at the top of the world, but then something felt really empty. That's a very strange feeling. So you're like, seriously, on top of the world, but it's something is really, really missing. And this is, you know, this meaningful feeling. You feel that you have to do something that gets you ticking in the morning. And I joined Birthright, which was the first time I ever went to work, like, you know, in an NGO, a non-for-profit organization, which is like, hello, you've been in right. the business sector all, all your life. And I came to fulfill a mission. So I started as part of a research development team that how do you generate income to an organization that needs donation and uh, people who support the organization. And then it turned into... Like many things, COVID brought opportunities, not just, you know, not just crisis all over right. the world. And that was the turning point in which I started the Beyond Trip, which is what I'm doing today is starting to build a community in an organization that is almost 25 years old and has 800,000 alums, which is kind of crazy when you think about the numbers. And all of them have gone through this life-changing experience of a 10-day educational trip in Israel, and that's it. And by definition, this asset is something that can definitely be worked with. So we will be talking about, you know, the challenge of taking someone who experienced a life-changing experience, which was only 10-day long, but feels this emotional connection to his identity and to their organization. And this is a force that organizations can work with to build a community. So the stronger the connection you have to the product or service, the better your, your probability and success to grow something into a long-lasting relationship with your customers. Yeah. And I think what I, I mean, obviously, you know, what you're doing in particular, there's a lot of emotional ties as well, too. But, you know, to kind of create that continued engagement, you know, takes, you know, real concerted effort. You know, it's not like just the alumni group happens, you know, maybe with a lot of marketers today, there's so much pressure, I feel like for now, now, now results, right? It's like, oh, you know, what was the click to conversion to lead ratio? And so what I feel like is, you know, some companies, with what I see at least, they'll dabble in community, but really the community is like a self-serving thing, right? It's like, how do I get this group of people so I can then market to them? It's not like it has to be like zero or a hundred, but I do feel like with the pressures that a lot of marketers face, the idea of creating community becomes a little bit more difficult. And, and you know, what are some of the challenges that you see you know, and maybe even your own experience you know, as a consultant and now doing this full time, you know, what are some of the challenges that you see businesses struggle with outside of like showing a return on investment or, you know, other activities that when they're trying to launch a community, 
you know, when they want to do it right, what are some of the challenges you typically see them, you know, working through? Okay, so first of all, I think that you need to be clear about the need. What is the need you're addressing? If you're not clear about the need, you will never be able to succeed. Okay, so what are your, and what is your target audience? If you sell to a range of ages or personalities, who is the specific persona you want to serve with your community? So this is something that needs to be very, you need to be very clear about this, okay? And you need to identify, once you understand the need, you need to identify what is the value you're going to generate to support this need, okay? It can be like, you know, the the variety of communities can be endless. You can be a yeah. support, you know, a technical support. You can be a community that uh, is all about special connections or just discuss a topic. So I think one of the challenges is that you're not clear about what exactly you are generating and how you're going to measure it. And I think the one of the biggest challenges these days is that it's really fuzzy out there. People are all over the place. You can meet them all over, you know, social media. So where, where do you meet them? On TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Oh no, Facebook is 40 and above. Okay, so Gen Z, Gen Z, where do I find them? Instagram, TikTok, oh, but then you cannot have any conversation. This is like content supplier. All you see is content. So if you want to have a conversation, where are you going to do that? Challenging, Discord discourse. I mean, there are so many platforms that are offering you community management. So you need to be very clear where you're going to, to have conversations. And, you know, the barrier is getting people, if you want to turn the traffic your way, this is going to cost you a lot of money and a lot of effort. So please try to find your people where they already are, unless you need to build, and this is like, kind of the case of what we do is we're meeting them on social media, but we have a unique safe space that we want to create because our vision is to have a global network of alums. And this means today a safe space. People are looking for safe space. They want to feel confident to join a group. And this is something we can offer, which is a great strength in not all organizations have that, so they need to find their claim to fame and what is their unique value proposition, which can be offered to the to alums. Yeah, yeah, to the customers or prospects, even or people who are interested, you know, in the topics. And that kind of leads me to my next question, which is, like, what are some of the strategies or tactics, you know, to help to one, let's call it like build the community, because you you kind of hinted at this, right? It's there's social media, which is you know, there's commenting, right, which means there's interaction, but and maybe there's people interacting in the comments around, you know, like a big celebrity or social media influencer. But if you're a B2B company, you know, business that sells software or something like that, it's that doesn't happen as often. So I think maybe a two part question. How do you think about again, you talked about how you port those people over, right? So you're engaging on social, they come to the community. And then there's the keeping them involved. So, you know, maybe you could give some tactics or advice around how you want get people from these channels that they may be on to kind of this more contained community coupled with, you know, how you keep them engaged. So, you know, the two buzzwords I keep hearing is user generated content. Sure. Okay. And influencers, both are really tricky. Okay. So to get people to generate content, 
when you look at the statistics, like 90% of consumers, like consuming content on social media will never share, comment, do anything. Okay. So you're, you're left with 9% that will share and comment and 1% that will actually generate the content. So of course it's the most engaging, but get it, getting people on board to generate the content is going to be really, really challenging. So one advice is it's better to have 10 very engaged people that than 1000 that are hardly engaged. So what my advice is to find first measure the way you engage. We have something called gems, like that's the engagement metric likes, shares, that's not really interesting. This is not engagement. So in order for you to understand who is engaged, you need to measure comments and registrations and active actions that people take, then you can understand they're engaged. And then if you have like 10 or 20 that are really engaged, they have their circles and this will work around. Okay. So one strategy is find the most engaged people and work with them. Give them value you need to seriously seriously generate value otherwise like the question now is what's in it for me people are like bombarded with content and items so they need to understand what exactly you're going to generate i think by the way universities are doing great jobs with their communities because they have succeeded over the years to generate you value after you graduate, they don't owe you anything, okay? They got your tuition, right. you graduated, bye. No, they're keeping you in touch and they're providing content, inviting you to conferences. And this tradition builds the ability for you to generate income in the future as a donor, maybe. You send your kids to the same university and you feel like this emotional connection. And I think that organizations can find a path in which they can walk through this. By the way, if you cannot find this, don't go there. Don't right. go down road. It's going to cost yeah. you so much money. That's such a great call out. Yeah, I mean, again, this idea, I just took some notes. It's like 10 people engaged versus 1,000 that you know are in, in the community. I, I don't know. It's kind of understand that you have to start there, right? And, and your point about giving them value to keep them engaged. And, and how, you know, and you mentioned some more tactics, right? Around, okay, if you get the 10 people that are engaged, they're, they probably know like-minded people and then they kind of invite them in. How do you, and again, going back to maybe a comment that I made a few minutes ago, if you're in a marketing or sales organization and, you know, you're, you're talking to the team, to your point, it's an investment. One, it's got to be unique to your point as well that... I think a lot of organizations, you know, it's almost like a, well, they're doing community, so we have to, you know, we've got to do something. H- how do you, when you talk to a business or you talk to a group, you know, even the, the college example, how do you think about return on investment, you know, where it can be very difficult to, you know, over the course of many years, you know, many, many years, you can measure the return. But how do you think about having like, especially when times are tight, like today, how do you think about the return? And how you think about either you know short-term metrics that you measure in the first year or two versus maybe longer tail metrics? Okay, so that's a great question, Jake. And I think that when the time gets tough, that you tend to to close, you know, all the innovation units, all the things right. that are like not a necessity, which tends to be a huge mistake when business goes back to usual. Okay. And it's amazing that organizations keep on doing the same mistakes and there's no learning curve in, okay, 
do not close this activity. You can maybe decrease this resources and give it less budget, but keep the flame alive because once you know you're going back to business and everything is go- and it's we will get back into business right. because as history shows, it always goes up there are ups and downs. So I think uh, we need to work the community team and marketing and sales have to work hand in hand because this is a journey. It starts with the onboarding to the organization, but you have to be aligned with the values, the brand, the messaging, the expectations you set once you enter the organization. It's either the purchase process, the customer service, Wherever you meet the person or the customer, you have to speak the same language. And when everyone in their organization understands that he, he like feels part of a, a very long journey and process, it makes sense. And the way that the management needs to measure this is like the short term needs to be around engagement, just right. measuring engagement. Don't measure ROI, not return on investment, not in the beginning anyway. You can set a five-year plan. I know that to talk about five years is like <laughs> not cool. Who's talking five years ahead? I mean, okay, talk to me six months, talks. No, if we're talking about communities, we are marathon runners. We're not sprinters. So this will not generate any value in the short run. If this is not clear, do not start. This right. is going to be just heartache and, you know, and devastation. Spot on. And again, it's it's the idea. Same thing as, you know, organic social media, right? If you're building your following base, if you're building, you know, your content, uh, your, you know, followers through thought leadership, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, what happens is, again, you get enough of the right people and they interact with what your message is. And they say, hey, I'd like to know what that person does a little bit more and maybe do business with them. And how, how do you though, you know, do you strike a balance between do you, do you ever promote your products or services? Or you know, how do you kind of work with other, you know, folks in marketing? Because obviously, at some point, again, and maybe it's not the direct ROI, maybe it's just helping to improve an engagement score overall with the company. How do you see, you know, the community group working with marketing, maybe in those early days when, you know, ROI is maybe not on the table? Yeah, so basically, beyond as a community of Birthright Israel is, is quite new. I mean, in, um, in a life cycle, in years, if the organization is 25 years old, we're around, we've been around since COVID. Okay. So this is a new kind of a new initiative. And the way that we do is first of all, we rebranded marketing has done a beautiful rebranding process in which this has become from a strategy of a one product of a 10 day educational trip into a lifetime journey. Okay. So the idea that once you register to a birthright Israel trip of a 10 day, then 10 days educational trip, then you can continue your journey. You can go on an internship program of onward that will take like between eight to 12 weeks. And then you can come on an Excel program and then you join beyond as the community that gives you the opportunity to continue and be in touch with other Birthright alums. So for instance, we've developed a service called Worldwide Connect, which enables you, let's say Jake is going, is a birthright alum, is in travel, lives in New York and is traveling to Buenos Aires. And there is a birthright alum in Buenos Aires. So why we connect you guys? And I feel safe because both of us 
work, we've had the same experience in Israel for 10 days. And we have this bonding. And this bond, even though we are like, I don't know, five years apart or three years apart, sure. we had the same experience. And this is super powerful. So working together as a team, generating the leads, getting people on board, registering to this great educational trip and continuing the journey, this is super powerful. But we're we, we're learning. I mean, Jake, listen, this is, there is no textbook. I mean, you can give the best. No, yeah. There are no shortcuts. I mean, you need to walk, you need to do the journey yourself. And it's like, we're kind of maybe after this stage, but the first year is definitely a sandbox. You have to be agile. You need to test things. You need to do design sprints and focus groups and understand what your audiences want. And even if they say they want it, they won't necessarily be there when <laughs> you want it. I mean, yeah. be prepared. So don't invest too much in developing it and, you know, in systems and everything. Do it quick. Do it dirty. Get an idea. If you see this, we had 1,000 registrations. We said, whoa, it's the worldwide connect. We hit a nerve. This is a need. We're going to embed it into our app, and this is going to be a service. But don't go down that road if you're not sure that this is going to work. Yeah. I, I Everything you said in there, I, I'm kind of shaking my head. I think whenever we talk to companies around this, it's they spend so much time planning and it has to have this. And then, oh, you know, we have this user who wants this one thing. And then they, you know, over-architect and go the, you know, go completely the other way. And, and I think it's such an interesting mindset. And there, there's like, honestly, a lot of other marketing techniques that you could apply the same logic to, which is you know, this idea of you have a hypothesis of what you think it would be, who the target market is, etc. And so you need to test that hypothesis sooner than later versus you know, try to over-architect this perfect thing that is supposed to, to you know, just magically create this engagement. And I think the other thing that you said that really struck a nerve with me is if you are out there and you're thinking about the word community, you know, and you're thinking about how could I create this and what would success look like? The idea that if one of your community members was traveling, would they, would they want to meet with another member physically or some version of virtually to extract value one-to-one -one because they realize that there's some common connection that they have. And it's not just that like they both use your product. My friends, that is not good enough. Oh, hey, you use this product? So do I. Like, yeah, now we, you've got to think about the things that Renat's been talking about around, you know, how do you think about the purposeful built? Because in any, and again, I think a lot of us may, well, look, Birthright Israel, it's obviously a very kind of close to home, you know, organization. It is, and then maybe it makes it slightly easier, but to get this actual engagement, to create experiences, any organization can either one, find it and invest to find it, or realize like, okay, we're not going to invest in it because we can't create some real authenticity in it. I think Salesforce does a good job of this. You know, they've got these kind of fun trailheads and learnings that you can do. And, you know, they give you points whenever you give the right answers. And there's some other really good examples of it as well, too. But I think a lot of what you said here for me, I'm like, if I was thinking about building community, that's what I would think about. What would this community need to look like for the person in Israel to want to connect with the person in Buenos Aires when they go there because they know that there's this kind of shared experience? And I think any B2B company can, most B2B companies can probably create that if they really 
are smart and think about it and are purposeful about it and focus on getting 10 engaged people versus 10,000 followers, um, which is so critical. And, and what do you see as the future for communities? Because there's a lot of communities out there. So, you know, I think what, what I've loved about this conversation is there's just so much really good tactical advice to anyone who's even thinking about a community, um, who's thinking about how do I create engagement? Like I said, I've been, you can see me on the video, I've been typing notes here. How do you cut through the noise today? So even if to, to where people even know that, wow, like there is this rich experience, because again, I feel like today it's, you know, in my little sales world, I mean, my gosh, there's, there's so many communities and, you know, so many Slack communities and, you know, some of this, a lot of the same people are in the same communities. So, so today, how do you feel like you, you know, cut through the noise to where people want to engage in your community versus, you know, other communities that may be in, you know, complementary spaces? I think there's space for everyone. If you're addressing a need, you'll, you'll be out there. There's no limits to the, you know, number of communities that can be out there. And if you're irrelevant, nobody will see you. If you're not meeting the needs, nobody is going to be part of your community. It's very simple. It's devastating. I mean, seriously, it's kind of, you need to, to be very clear that this is something that is needed. So just to invest a lot of money in your branding or social media or paid ads, this is not going to do the work. What is going to do the work is generating genuine value to the people you want on board. Seriously, not as just, you know, this is not an expression. This is not like this line out of a textbook. I mean, seriously generate value. And if you do not know how to do that, and listen, this is tough. This is This business of community management is for people who are kind of crazy because they do not give up. They have this mission. Sometimes I wonder what keeps me going. It's like (laughs) just understanding that this is, this needs to be done. This has this, uh, I don't know, this intuition, knowledge in my gut that this is the right thing to do for a long time, really a long-term sustainability of this organization and any organization, by the way, seriously. So yeah, so this is something that you need to be very clear about. By the way, do not be afraid to throw away ideas, great ideas you had. Do not be attached to them emotionally. If something does not work, goodbye. Do not waste time and money on something that you understand is not working. I mean, people know what they want. If this is not working, this is not working. Right. Don't try to make it work. Just generate better ideas and ask the people what they want. And take into account that some of the research you'll do is kind of useless. People don't know what they don't know. So if you want to meet and give them something that is not out there yet, their the ability to to imagine something that is not there is kind of hard. So what we need to do is offer them, test it, and then decide if you want to expand, invest, or just throw it away. I love that. Yeah, and I think, again, for a lot of, hopefully, whether you're a business leader, whether you're in marketing, or whether you're in sales, 
just the thought, it's just another classic example of, you know, there has to be a lot of intentional thought put into this at the same time, not to the point of thinking that you're going to get it perfect, right? And so it's this idea of, you know, what is the need? I wrote about you, know, what, what is the need, the persona? And, and, and what is the real value that, I, that, that this, someone in the community that we can provide by connecting people and that it's not just our job to provide the value, they need to be providing it. And what's real value versus fluff? Like, you know, oh, you're a member of the community, so you get a t-shirt or, you know, that, or a, 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 a mug, you know, that might be something that keeps people excited for a few weeks, but it's certainly not going to make them call someone when they go to Buenos Aires, you know, for recommendations on best local food. So, you know, as we start to kind of, you know, wrap up here, this has been awesome. I mean, I'm sitting here taking notes and, you know, my own, you know, consulting company, we've thought about this and this is some really great food for thought for myself, even for our clients. What do you feel like is the future of communities? You, you hit on a really good point. There is still so much, you know, green field or white space out there. So, you know, just get rid of the idea of, well, oh, well, I already have so many Slack communities, etc. You know, go back and listen to the beginning of this. Like, maybe that's not the best for your community. Maybe it is. And don't worry, because if your community is good, it'll cut through the noise and people want to have it open. So, you know, get over this kind of fear of just saying no before you ever start and then kind of go through this exercise of, you know, defining the need, the value, etc., that to me will be kind of universal or foundational. Where do you see the future of communities? Where do you see the future of this going? If you know, we've kind of evolved from you know forums to and now we still have forums to Slack channels to Discord to Reddit, you know, etc. And obviously, you don't have a crystal ball, but you know, where do you feel like the future of communities that are going? And if you are someone who has a community or is in the beginning processes, what are some of the trends or things that, you know, are probably important to be aware of? Listen, as long as Gen Z are going to be the most of the consumers because they're growing up and they're looking for authenticity and transparency and they want to know what's going on and please be genuine with them and tell them the truth. One of the things I truly believe in and that sharing your, like, your challenges as an organization, your idea of an important importance you see in engaging them and sharing the way you work and letting them be part of the development team, really seriously, give them like responsibility. Yeah. And one of the things, the ideas that I have and I'm, I'm looking into now in my team is why don't we, it's kind of an, just an idea, getting people like building this small accelerator of engaged alums coming up, growing them as entrepreneurs and coming up with ideas for projects to build the engagement. So this is a win-win situation. The value they generate is from yeah. understanding how to be an entrepreneur and teach an idea. But the return on investment for the community is them generating idea into the community. So to answer a question, Jake, seriously, I mean, when you talk about the future, it's kind of, I don't know, I'm smiling and like shrugging my shoulders and saying, okay, what's the future? Is it six months? Are you talking about a year? <laughs> I do not know. Seriously, yeah. I mean, the world is crazy. I can tell you from what I see that the need for peers and human connections the more we're digital native, the more digitally we become and AI is like, oh my God, the more we're going down that road, the more therapists we will need right. and the more human connections, seriously, 
this will be really needed. So as far as I can see, we're this is a must. But, you know, maybe if I listen to this podcast in two years, I'll go, oh, my God, we're not this seriously. Did this? this did you say this? No. <laughs> that? We all look like geniuses whenever we go back. I'm, I'm you know, I was, I was thinking back to like the Blockbuster example. We had a Shelly Arbach on the podcast and she was the president of Blockbuster and she was in the room with Reed Hastings from Netflix and the CEO of Blockbuster oh said, said no to Blockbuster.com, and which, which Reed Hastings wanted to turn into like what you know, has become Netflix. And he said no and the rest is history. And we can all look back and say, oh, how didn't we see that trend? But you know, when you have a business model and things are working, it can be very difficult to, to go away from it. But, but what I heard from what you said is the trend that, that I think is important is, you know, step one is you're creating this, this group of, you know, you know, engage people around these value add, you know, truly value add topics. And then what it sounds like you're doing with the accelerators and within those groups, you're creating, you know, you've got this kind of blanket umbrella of a, a safe space, but you also are creating these micro groups of people who are very passionate around this part of a topic, or this part of a topic. And that to me is, is probably the trend that, that I'm kind of taking away from what you're what you're talking about is, I think the future will be you know, you have this community, but just creating a Slack channel with a hashtag accelerator, that's not it. That to build communities that are engaging, you're going to have to continue to, you know, provide experiences for people to, that are even more like-minded around this topic to really have interaction and not just like a single hashtag thread on a Slack channel that the role of a community manager, once you start to build this becomes, you know, really continuing to connect more and more like-minded people in their little pods within the group. And I think that that to me is, I think, a pretty good takeaway for a lot of folks out there. So Renat, thank you so much. Like I said, I love these episodes where I'm sitting here taking a bunch of notes as well, too. I feel mm-hmm. like I have things I can go back to our marketing department or we can you know, talk to our clients about as well. So I really appreciate you joining me and, and sharing all your amazing wisdom. Thank you, Jake, so much. It has been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next week on The Jake Dunlap Show. Thank you, everyone, again, for listening to another episode. If you are listening all the way to the end, I hope you have left a review. I hope that you make sure that you're following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. We'll be back next Thursday. And again, make sure to check out the Monday episodes as well, too. A lot of people are really enjoying these kind of mini episode Mondays. So make sure to tune in, subscribe, and leave a review. 